I'm Alex Green, and this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. All right, so we posted our Christmas episode, and for that episode, we couldn't get an interview uh, with Jesus of Nazareth, so we got an interview with Dan from Nazareth instead, and uh, it was a fun episode, a good chat uh, with a man who has a very powerful voice, and that was it. That was our Christmas episode, but guess what? Just like when you have a Christmas stocking and you think you've drained all the holiday ephemera uh, from inside of it, and then suddenly when you pick it up to uh, put it away, you're going to fold it and uh, put it in your sock drawer. I don't know. Look, I'm Jewish. Where does a stocking go? Where does a Christmas stocking go when you're done with it? The sock drawer, right? I don't, I don't really know. Uh, okay, you feel something inside of it, and you go, oh, I must have missed that one last thing that someone put in my stocking. How exciting. There's one more thing to discover this Christmas. Maybe it's a toothbrush. Maybe it's a, I don't know, a pack of gum. Maybe it's one of those small plastic baggies of cocaine. The point is there's something extra in there that you missed, and now it's time to retrieve it. Well, I guess you could say that's what this episode is of Stereo Embers, the podcast. This is our last episode of the year. It's that one little episode that's uh, hidden in the stocking, and we're going to play it for you right now. So this is Stereo Embers, the podcast. Check this out. The city's on fire, the streets are a riot, now look at this place, no one is safe, no one is safe from you. So beautiful, she knew it every single day, got smiled that left and right around the way, yeah it makes her feel good, wonder why she stays, so afraid, afraid of you, she need a sedative to get her straight, you know she need a cigarette, she got the shade. of Theory, which features my guest today on the program, Dean Back. Let me tell you a little bit about Theory and Dean Back. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Now, I'm sure that when Juliet is pondering Romeo's name, she didn't mean for her musing to extend to a Canadian outfit called Theory of a Dead Man, but her question still applies. Here's why. After 16 years in the business, the very popular Theory of a Dead Man changed their name back in 2017 by shortening it to just Theory. And guess what? They proved in the process that a rose by any other name would still rock just as hard. 
So yes, the Juno Award-winning hard rock band shortened their name, but their resume just kept getting longer and longer. Over the course of their career, they've sold millions of records, they've toured with Motley Crue and Alter Bridge, and they scored a number one track with the song RX Medicate, a number which stayed on top of the Billboard Mainstream Rock Songs chart for six weeks. Although the band is set to release their seventh album, Say Nothing, at the end of January, I actually talked with bassist Dean Mack on Halloween. Yeah, we got a little backlogged here at Stary Wembers, the podcast. Anyway, we had a quick chat. This is the Stocking Stuffer podcast. Listen to this, then fold that thing up and put it in the sock drawer, okay? Here's me and Dean back on Stereo Embers, the podcast. pleasure to uh, talk to you you seem like a guy who likes halloween it seems like a, a good day to talk to you yeah i love halloween it's one of my favorite holidays absolutely for sure um we got our costumes all ready for tonight and <laughs> we're gonna have a fun time are you are you guys are playing a show tonight yeah we're in wisconsin up in a casino in bowler wisconsin and it's um we're in the cell service black hole thing but yeah we have a show at the casino and uh we've all got our costumes ready to go and uh have a good time. What are you dressed as, Dean? I'm dressing up as Barf from Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh, in the in the movie that was played by John Candy, right? Who is a great Canadian uh, comedian, a fellow a fellow Canadian entertainer. That's right. Yeah. Right. A friend of mine was talking to Mike Durnt from Green Day, and he's taking bass lessons. And yeah. he he is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You you would think he you would think he wouldn't need to do such a thing, but he is. And I was kind of wondering about your own relationship to your instrument. Um, how has it changed since since you started playing it? What's what's the main difference that you recognize? Uh, I think just slowly, I've just uh, tried to absorb as much information and uh, uh, by watching other bass players and. Uh, you know, especially now on online and YouTube and stuff, there's great uh, lessons to be learned. And I'm I'm always a student too. I'm always trying to figure out how to get better and and learn. Um, yeah, so th- th- that doesn't surprise me that someone of his caliber still likes to get better and and craves to 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 want to improve. There's always room for improvement. There's always someone better than you. How is your discipline compared to? you know, say when maybe 10 years ago, do you, do you practice as much as, as ever or? Uh, no, sadly I, I don't. Uh, I might have to, might have to start picking up my, my, my roll up my sleeves a little bit more, but now I got uh, two young kids at home. So, uh, a lot of my free time is, is with that, but, uh, you know, they're in school. I have, I have no excuse not to, to learn some more. I can always improve. So Yeah. That's a, it's a great point to be brought up, and I might uh, take that one to heart. I'm not trying to make you feel bad, Dean. <laughs> no, not at all. No, it, it's uh, it, it, and it's great to to see that someone like that is improving himself too. Um, and I, yeah, I have that thirst for knowledge and wanting to get better. Do you think that that playing music it's something you really can never master? You're you're always sort of transforming and learning. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's always something to learn, always something to get better at. Um, 
I don't, I don't think there are any real true masters of any anything. Any, anybody can and get better at it. If you if you're complacent and and think you're the best or something, then someone else is going to pass you. For you growing up, why was it the the instrument you chose? Why um why that one and not over something else? Uh, it's funny when I first got into playing in bands, there were so many guitar players and nobody wanted to play bass. And so it, uh, one of the first bands I was in was with Tyler and some other guys, and they had two guitar players, and I just wanted to be in a band. So uh, they're like, uh, we need a bass player. And I was like, done. Uh, so I went out and bought myself a beginner bass and learned along the way and uh, haven't looked back. I still enjoy picking up a guitar once in a while, but uh, it was out of necessity in our small town. There was no bass players, so I wanted to fill that void. How did it feel when you first started playing? Did it feel natural to you? Like, oh, yeah, this is definitely my thing. Uh, not really. It 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 took a while for me to uh, get into the headspace of really paying attention more to what the drummer was doing than rather than the guitar players. I think early on I played the bass a lot, like I would play a rhythm guitar or something. But uh, later, the more I uh, studied the instrument and, and got into it, I, I realized that... Uh, for a, sound, a band to sound big and tight, the bass really had to be locked in with the drums more than what the rhythm guitars and stuff were doing. So your relationship with the drummer is really, that is the most vital in terms of what's happening rhythmically. I think so, especially in our band, yeah. Um, our band is very uh, lyric-driven and, I guess, guitar-driven, so the bass does not need to come out and shine. It just needs to... Uh, to really hold down that uh, the groove and uh, the real feel for the song. It also doesn't hurt that you have a great drummer. It doesn't hurt at all. He's <laughs> he's so fun to play with. Uh, I get caught caught up some nights just watching Joe and uh, enjoying enjoying that. Yeah, it's uh, he's a hell of a drummer and uh, makes my job a lot of fun. What do you think his great strength is as as a player? Uh I think his strength is. Uh, really just, uh, emotion. He's very emotional when he, he plays. He's, uh, he's extremely tight and, uh, I don't know. He, he hits hard. I, there's no weakness in his drumming. He's got it all. Yeah. I saw you guys play a couple of years ago and I couldn't believe how hard that guy hits. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It's fun. It's, uh, kicks my butt up yeah. there. You must, you must feel it in your gut when you're standing that close to him. Oh, absolutely. And I like to, throughout the show, um, I pull my in-ear monitors out of my ears to get a lot of the, the audience feedback and stuff. So sometimes I catch myself without my ear in and head over to the drum kit. And when he's hitting those cymbals and snare, it, it uh, gets ringing a bit after the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, how do you challenge yourself as a musician? Like, what what is a way that you... Because sometimes for many artists, it's easy to do the thing that you do well over and over again. Um, yeah. and I, you know, I love your band because you guys keep mixing it up. Um, but what about for you individually? Yeah, I think for me a lot, like over the last year or so, I've really gotten into like listening to old like 70s funk and soul stuff. And the bass playing and that stuff is just so impressive to me and uh, really inspiration and inspirational for me. So like... Listening to music outside my genre is uh, is one of the key things to how I, I push myself and, and uh, you know, try and soak some stuff in. 
were you that open to it, say, when you were like 22, or were you more narrow with what you were listening to? Yeah, I was pretty close-minded in the early 20s, you know. Uh, I liked what I liked, and everything else sucked, right? I think that's every 20-year-old's <laughs> attitude. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of defines it perfectly, that attitude yeah. at that age. <laughs> <laughs> no, what... my dad's old records, what the hell is this stuff? <laughs> exactly. Well, what was it that you liked? What were you listening to at 22? I was big time. Guns N' Roses was my band. That was the, the band that really got me stoked on music and uh, and rock and uh, really inspired me to pick up an instrument in the first place. So I, I definitely have to say Guns N' Roses. And then being from Vancouver and so close to uh, the Seattle scene was also really, really important to me and, and some of the great the bands that I I really fell in love with are the Seattle ones, the Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and that. And then uh, Blind Melon was also a huge band for me. Because Duff from Guns, he grew up in the Seattle punk scene. And I wonder yeah. if the Vancouver punk scene did anything for you at all. Not really. I, uh, I was never really into the Vancouver scene. I know, I think it's DOA was a Vancouver yeah. punk band. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, I think in Gob, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. You know, that's some of the Vancouver punk scenes, but I never really got into it. I, uh, you know, it, where I grew up, we were, you know, 45 minutes out of downtown. It never was really part of the Vancouver scene, even Theory of a Dead Man. We, uh, we just jammed in the basement. We never really played live much. We never got out into the clubs and did that kind of stuff. We more, you know, worked on our songwriting craft and, uh, you know, just our instrumentation. Um, I spoke to the guitar player from the Trues, and he was telling me that after every show, they sort of like, they meet and they break it down. <laughs> and I'm, oh, really? Yeah. And I, and I said, I've never heard that before. And he said, no, I think a lot of bands do that. And I'm curious, like, how do you guys debrief after, after a show? Uh, we usually just joke about who made the most mistakes and, uh, uh, and then it's onto the bus to, you know, play some NHL hockey on PlayStation or something. No, we, when a show's over, a show's over. We, uh, we let it go and it's on to the next one. I know, uh, I think Joe likes to go onto YouTube or whatever and, and, uh, see some live clips of what we've done. But, uh, the rest of us, I think it's, you know, that show's done. Let's move on to the next so you're not that hard on yourself you you don't you, you don't beat yourself up if you made a couple of mistakes oh no not at all no it, we've been doing it long enough we know that mistakes happen um and 99 percent of any mistakes made on stage the audience has no clue so uh no it's it beating yourself up about it is that doesn't make the job fun i think uh as long as everybody's trying their hardest and doing their best and not sucking then uh it was a good night so how are you, in terms of like introducing music to your kids, having them play music, is that something that you, I don't know how old they are, is that something that you want to share with them or you hope they, they take up an instrument? Yeah, I try my hardest. Um, I, I'm a firm believer that you can't really push anything on kids. I know for me, uh, guitar was definitely something that I pursued. It was never something that my parents pushed on me or made me do. Um, so I always have the guitars laying around the house and the bass, and uh, we have a keyboard. So I have all that stuff around the house, and I'm often picking up and just plunking away or doing whatever 
And normally it's like, Dad, stop playing that. <laughs> and, you know, I'm waiting for them to go, hey, Dad, that's cool. Can you show me how to do that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's going to happen at one point. Yeah, I'm hoping. That's why I still leave them all around. Anytime they want to pick up a guitar or a bass or punk away at the keyboard. It's funny because I brought the keyboard home and it had like the drum machine on it. And so they figured out how to use the drum machine and, you know, have like, uh, like dog barks. So like, <laughs> and they thought that was fun. So <laughs> that's all the keyboard turned into was a sound making machine. Well, it's a start. It is a start. Yeah, it's there's, a start. there's some percussiveness to that. That's right. I was going to say there's a percussive element to a dog barking. Um, I mean, it'd be fun to jam with your kids, but of course, you know, if they gravitate to it, they gravitate to it. Yeah, I think the next thing is I'm going to try and get an electronic drum kit at home. So maybe there's a drummer in the, in the house. I don't know. Are you, how are you with touring and you have a family at home? Is that, now do you feel, I mean, you've been doing it for a while, obviously, but do you, do you feel like you're missing out on vital times and how do you handle that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, especially like today, Halloween's a hard day for me to be away from home. I, yeah. Uh, I love trick-or-treating with the kids and my wife sent me pictures of the girls both dressed up going to school today. So yeah, there's definitely some hard times and, uh, you know, it's a sacrifice that we all make. Uh, Dave, the guitar player, has also got two young kids, too. Um, but it is a, a life that uh, we've all been living for quite some time, and it's it's not new to anybody. And, and uh, we've all been able to uh, adapt and, and uh, figure out how what makes it work for us. And uh, this is the last week stretch of this tour, and I get to go home for a while and enjoy some family time. Um, but, I mean... Uh, I have amazing support back home, and uh, that's what makes it possible to do this. So, yeah, it's uh, it's something that we've we've learned how to live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that it's like this is your job, right? So this is like that's what you're doing. Right. Exactly. There's uh, nowadays it's hard enough to to make a living and get by. And uh, uh, when I get home, I see other dads that that have to travel as well for their jobs. If it's you know going out to the oil feed fields for two months at a time or whatever, or going out to do a big electrical job that's away from home. You know, there's a lot of sacrifices that are being made in different trades too. So I'm not the only one. What I love about theory is that you guys, again, I mentioned it before, is that you're not afraid to mix it up. And it seems to me like the sound of the band is really evolving in a really interesting way. Is there, that must be exciting for you as an artist, but is there a part of you that's like nervous about um, how the fans might receive it? Uh, I think uh, on the last record, Wake Up Call, there was a little bit more of that nervousness because we were making that change um, then. But then we ended up having arguably our biggest hit with RX of our career. So it really, uh, you know, reaffirmed what we were doing that we felt was right and what we needed to do as a band to grow and mature. Um, the fans were there for the ride too so i think with the new record say nothing it's along the same vein uh so i don't think there that nervousness is there anymore uh, i think that uh our fans our fans uh know what we're about and uh i think there's a lot of excitement from them as much as well as much as we're excited well it seems like they trust you yeah exactly there's uh, there's that limited level of trust and, and in uh, terms of the future, do you guys talk about like uh, what happens next, or you just roll every day, let every you know every day goes by, and you see what happens? Well, 
No, there's definitely a lot of planning right now. Um, we're we're so excited for the drop of the new record, which is coming at the end of uh, January. Right. And uh, so we're already planning our spring tour and our and working on a, a the next summer tour. But uh, we we know right now that uh, our our near future, our future in the in the next bit is all going to be touring. So uh, that's where our mind is at: is getting on good tours and getting in front of as many people as we can, and uh, you know taking our fans along for the ride and hopefully winning over some more people. Do you feel that there is a confederacy with Canadian bands? It used to really feel that way to me in the nineties. Um, and we, you know, I'm from San Francisco. We had a real scene out here and we don't have a scene here anymore at all because of what's happened uh, with the dot coms and the tech community. It's kind of, you know, forced artists out. Um, so I can't even tell if there's a confederacy between San Francisco bands anymore. Um, but do you feel that there is in Canada that you guys have each other's backs and there's a kind of brotherhood? Uh, honestly, we've sort of, uh, for most of our career, have really uh, concentrated on trying to crack the American market. Um, I think sometimes in Canada, uh, they don't embrace us as a Canadian band as much because we spend so much time down here. But uh, we do have some amazing Canadian fans, too, and, and we're going to be going to Canada right at our record drop. So it's a huge celebration for us to be in our home country and, and see our fans up there as well. Um, we, you know, we love touring Canada, and uh, we want to make you know, an impression again up there. Um, as for, like, there is definitely uh, Canadian bands that uh, the Canadian fans hold true and dear to, to Canada. Like you were saying, the trues, those guys are rock stars up there and um yeah and when we go into our canada it, it's also a lot of fun and we wave our red and white maple leaf uh while we're up there um it's always a good time but uh you know we're more of an international band i think yeah well i think that's true um and also it was weird i mean tragically hip we're so massive but you know gord downey could have walked by my house in san francisco and nobody would have known who he was but up in canada he was he was a deity Oh my goodness! Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, it's funny because I think down in the states too, a lot of people forget that we're from Canada. <laughs> I think we've just just been embraced as another American band, which is fine by us too. I mean, yeah, music is international. We, you know, as long as uh, the music reaches out to to people of whatever nation, is it's important. Awesome, dude! Hey, congratulations! Happy Halloween and uh, and best of luck. Awesome, Alice. Thank you for your time. Well, we had to wrap that one up kind of quick. He had a uh, he had a Spaceballs costume to get into. I don't know how long that would take, but maybe maybe that's complicated. Maybe there's buckles and straps and Velcro and a tail. I don't know. Uh, but all I know is he's a nice guy, and I was happy to chat with him. Theory's new album will be out at the end of January. Uh, if you want information about them, when they're coming to your town, all that kind of thing, go to theoryofficial.com. As for me, I don't know if I'm coming to your town, but maybe I am. Go to alexgreenonline.com. All information about me can be found there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, please do so at Embers Editor or on Instagram at Embers Podcast or just email me editor at stereoembersmagazine.com. 
Stereo Embers, the podcast, can be found on all podcast platforms, whichever one feels most comfortable for you. Use it, subscribe for free, tell all your friends, leave us a rating, all that stuff. You know how it works, okay? All right. Thank you, as always, for listening to the program. Let's close things off with a new song from Theory. This is Strangers. Enjoy it, and I'll see you next decade right here on Stereo Embers, the podcast, only on Bombshell Radio. The dark side of the city, the sirens are the stereo. The dark side of the city, hello, can we go? Hello, can we go? Well, don't let it get you down, no. We're getting more than we can handle. We live a dangerous scandal. No love, no. No love, no. Kids afraid of being shot up. They brought up with the Gonzalez. We all stand up. We call BS, though. No love, no. Left wing and right wing, the flex in the fight. Afraid to speak down when we know this ain't right. Our thoughts and our prayers, they don't help if we die. Time to change it. We all live like strangers. We Now the future Friends don't lie but damn they use ya It's social media Don't choose ya You're just a shadow So shallow Money and greed don't get you what you want You're speeding us down We don't want it to stop Out here just spilling our blood for the top But we about to feel the drop We all living like strangers We ain't living like neighbors No more After all, we're right. all in.